Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. I'm not necessarily a fire zealot myself, even though I have a project yeah. with that name in the title. But it says playing with fire. Yeah. I was, I was uh, trying it on for size, right? Um, I'm not yeah. like yeah. running the the cult of fire over here <laughs> by any means. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did find it very intriguing, and part of my favorite element of the acronym is the retire early part because I do think it's a wonderful hook to get people interested, which I think is. A huge barrier to entry with all of this is interest. And I think the reason why there's so much is that why there's a lot of complications with growing interest, at least for me. And I think I saw it out there when I went out on my national tour uh, with the film was, you know, fear and, and um, probably some doubt and a really healthy dose of skepticism. Um, an uncertainty. So I think to say retire early is enough of a hook for people, especially who are maybe on that hamster wheel, grinding it out, not really sure why they're at that job, whatever it is, which is, you know, a significant portion of the population in the U.S. That is one heck of a hook to get people at least interested or at least curious. And it worked for me. So, um, yeah, I, I, I that said, you know, fire has a lot of negative connotations and issues and, you know, uh, there's a lot of interesting, you know, discussion about it. But I also think that's a positive. You know, I think um, the financial independence part for me ended up becoming the most important thing. The retire early part did not. Um, I think there's a, a lot of um, how do I say this? I don't know. There's a lot of issues on the back end with retiring early because all of a sudden people lose, let's say, their identity or purpose or don't know what to do with their time. That's all stuff that I've found to have issues with and that it's something that needs to be worked on throughout the journey. Um, There's the whole, you know, the fire police side of things where if you're not saving a certain amount, then maybe you're not considered fired, all that kind of ridiculousness that I think definitely, you know, holds it back and, and isn't helpful. And I've had to deal with that myself as well. <laughs> I've had to deal with that myself as mm. having to assume that identity when I took on this project because I needed to be able to sell it honestly, sell the project honestly in the sense of like, hey, we're making this documentary, I'm writing this book to try to help others understand the journey that we're going on. And if that can help them, then wonderful. That's the that's all we're trying to do. Um, if we're trying to, you know, we're, we're essentially trying to create interest in this because it's a way for people to, uh, gain control back of their time, um, de-stress their financial life, and hopefully live their best life. And if that compounds, then we might be able to really make a dent in, in uh, helping the world and, and make the world a better place. Um, that was the goal. And I, and I believe in that. And I believe that the tenets of FIRE or financial independence in general, you know, still 100% embody that, that ideal. Like it has that potential. Uh, everyone, you're listening to Scott Rickens. Uh, he's the author of the book Playing With Fire and the documentary of the same name. And we've just done a bit of a rolling start to the podcast. I mean, I'm all about just getting into it and having a chat. And we're just going to talk about fire. But one thing I I like what you said there, Scott, was that hook. Like, we can tell our friends and people listening that you need to be good with your money. That's not enough. But what if we say, well, if you're good with your money, then you can X, Y, Z. And it's almost back engineering it. Like, I want to go on a really good holiday. Okay, so what do I need to do? Well, I need to save some money. I want to upgrade my car. What do I need to do? I need to work backwards. Because I think once we get a goal for our life, get a vision for our life, it will sustain us through the harder times and 
you know, you and I both know there are hard times, no matter how much money you've got. Like you're one of the the godfathers of fire in this modern day, I would probably say in America. And you're going through your own hard time at the moment. Like you've just got a puppy that you're <laughs> bringing into the world. <laughs> yes. A lack of sleep. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell us about the puppy. Okay. Um, well, our daughter's been bothering us for many years about having a puppy and she's a wonderful, wonderful little sweet thing who absolutely deserves one. But my wife and I have had puppies are, you know, had dogs are pretty much our whole life until the last five or so years. And so we've enjoyed that break <laughs> and we were putting it off as long as possible. But, um, you know, I think she's at that age now where it's a wonderful tool to teach responsibility and, she's ready for, she was so ready for this puppy and we were just hearing about it all the time. So we finally caved and, you know, obviously we're excited too, but, um, yeah, he, he just joined our family yesterday. <laughs> so. Oh, wow. And what is he? He's a Havanese, which is, uh, oh. it's like a little, um, they're a little stocky dogs. They, they enjoy water. They've got like really soft fur coats that don't shed. Um, they're actually from Cuba. Uh, they're, from Havana, you know, like Havanese Havana. Um, mm. they're, they originated from Cuba and, uh, yeah, they're just like these friendly, wonderful dogs. Some people call them Velcro dogs cause they just want to stick to you. And it's been amazing to watch that. Like, it's actually true. I, you know, I kind of thought, okay, yeah, they, you know, I, yeah, I did, I don't know. I just didn't think it'd be as crazy, like spot on. And he, this dog, I mean, wherever I go, he's following me constantly. That's his purpose in life is to follow me. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Awesome. <laughs> Well, I want to just paint the scene of what I want to take you through, Scott. I was hoping that we could talk, you know, we might start as at today, like what does your day and life look like day in, day out? Then I might go backwards and talk about your life before the penny dropped of, I need to get out of this rat race. I need to change what I'm doing here. This is not working for me. And then, you know, enter fire. And then throughout that, we might weave in uh, how the documentary came about, how the book came about. And yeah, we'll just find some holes and have a dig and we'll get you uh, tucked in bed by about 2am, <laughs> if that sounds good. Yeah, that you. sounds great. <laughs> so you're, um, how old are you? Um, I'm 39. I had to think about it a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, that's right. I think once you're in your 30s, you kind of just like, uh, it's all a blur. Yeah, exactly. What does each day look like to you at the moment? So we've spent the last, you know, five, six years designing what we have now. Um, and we were able to do that through finding the fire movement and pursuing financial independence. Um, I mean, that was a big part of it. I think just, you know, understanding how much our decisions really affect our future lives and being more intentional about things. And that's all like big platitudes, but it's really real. And we weren't sure if that would be the case, but I mean, at this point, um, you know, we, we are financially stable. Um, I, we think about money, you know, much less than we used to, which is, which was the goal and is wonderful for us. Um, it's not a huge interest piece, you know, for us, it's not a huge focal point and that was by design, but we're able to do that through, you know, a lot of, like I said, intentional planning uh, within the budget so that we kept a lot of those bigger costs much lower than they would normally be. And now the little, the little things which can add up, those are the things we kind of keep track of and keep in check with ourselves. Um, and it's a much more comfortable pace of life in that way. Um, we, speaking of pace, we also moved to an area that's a much slower pace. Um, you know, we don't necessarily deal with traffic anymore. We're not sitting in traffic going to work. Um, we have one car, we've had one car for five years. I'm on my bike a lot more than I'm on, I'm, I'm in a car. Um, whether that be, uh, an electric motor bike that I absolutely love or my leg powered one, which I like a little bit less, but I still enjoy and take out on purpose to get some exercise. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we are incredibly blessed. We have an incredible group of friends here in, in Bend where we live, Bend, Oregon. And, and we actually all somehow ended up moving on the same block in this past year. And so we're all just kind of like raising these kids together and hanging out, uh, serendipitously with no real planning involved. Um, we live right next to a park. So we're going down and playing pickleball sometimes or playing bocce, 
you know, going on. My audience won't know what they are. Uh, uh, pickleball or bocce? Okay. Yeah, either. I don't know. Oh what my they goodness. Are. Okay. Yeah. So bocce ball, uh, bocce is like a game. It's a, let's say it's a little bit like bowling with like maybe yeah. cricket ball or croquet balls or, you know, like they're, they're about this big. Um, yeah. so you throw out a Jack, which is a little white ball and then you have to, Oh yeah. Know. And you, you try and get the thing closest to yep, it. Yeah. Yep. It's like in a little rectangle, um, setting. We like to play in the grass and just make, we call that our arena. Um, and then pickleball yep. is like a mix between tennis and ping pong maybe, or tennis and racquetball, but it's outside. Oh, it's like a mini tennis ball yep. or tennis court. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, maybe I'm the sheltered loser. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no way, Glenn. No way. You're just working hard on this podcast. Yeah. You don't have time for yeah, pickleball. Right. What is this? Pickle? Pickle dill? What is what is going on here? I'll, I'll eat pickle. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. So life, you know, day to day, it's... Um, it's almost human centric, isn't it? Very community centric. Yeah. Human centric for sure. Mm. Yeah. That's the way I think it should be to some extent. You know, I mean, at least that's, that's what's really working for us. That's our speed. Um, you know, community centric, but also outdoor centric. Uh, we're outside all the time. We go for walks constantly. We go out on our bike all the time, like as much as possible. We, we moved ourselves right next door to the great outdoors. I mean, we live, you know, you can drive 20 minutes and be on the top of a, a mountain um, at 10,000 feet, we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres of forest right in our backyard. So I think that's another big piece of, you know, how we try to maintain our sanity through these crazy times and, and live the best life we possibly can and raise our daughter the best way we can. And that's kind of our goal right now in life. And are you doing any, um, transfer of human capital for money? Oh yeah. (laughs) Are you working? (laughs) Yeah, that's a fancy way to say working. I like it. Uh, I am. Yeah, of course. Well, but that's and and just on that, like, if I may go on this tangent, like the one of the things, like with the and I will say the the zealots in the fire world, um, I think there's a small percentage of people who can actually accure wealth and then sit on a beach or in a garden all day without a quote unquote purpose. And if you can do that, amen, the majority of people can't. And I think it's a, it's not good use of your human body and your human capital to keep that to yourself. So I think there needs to be some output into the community or output into the marketplace to get a financial return. Um, So yeah, that's why I was being a bit cheeky with that. I like it. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, time is our most valuable resource. I'm sure your audience has heard that concept a million times. Um, I truly believe it. I never thought about it prior to finding fire. I never thought about it like that. Um, I do think, you know, that expenditure of human capital is that what you called it. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it, it matters how you use that. You're only here for a short period of time. And can you use that for good? That's the real question I think. And, you know, can you leave this, this world a little better than you found it? I think it's a lot easier to do when you're not stressed and burdened by financial issues and, thank goodness for that. But then you get to this other side where, you know, for the, the veterans and the FI space where, you know, not only do you maybe not worry about money, but maybe you have an abundance, you know, what do you do with that? What do you, how do you, how are you going to spend that time and, and, and those resources like money? Um, and I think, you know, that's something we're, we're definitely spent. That's what we spend our time on is thinking about how are we spending our time? (laughs) And making sure that that's, that's a useful, you know, way to spend it. So you asked me like, how am I living now? And I, I explained that's how I'm living, but, you know, mixed within that is, you know, being of service to the people around me, making sure that we're raising these kids, right. Um, I think that's actually going to have tremendous value in the future. And I don't, I don't actually think that's a cop out. I used to, um, I was worried that it was, uh, you know, oh, well, what are you going to do with your time? I'm going to raise a kid, right? Uh, okay, well, that's nice. What else are you going to do? You know? And it's like, well, I think that might be enough for now because, it's a, it's, it's not easy. It's a, it's an incredible endeavor. And imagine, imagine the compounding, the positive compound effects of, of raising someone right and, and sending them into the world with these types of head starts, you know, uh, that I didn't have. And, and then where, how does that benefit society? How does that benefit the community? So there's, there's many ways in which we do this and it's, you know, whether it's giving, giving our time to, you know, uh, charitable events, giving our money to charitable events, um, you know, raising these kids, uh, I, I, I really like to lend out my, my own skill sets with being somewhat of a, a amateur handyman, uh, to my friends and family around me. 
um, we, we run uh, a rental house ourselves and then, um, our parents actually, which this is a wonderful circumstance. Uh, both my wife and my parents moved to bend as well when we moved here. And so, uh, we were already in this pursuit of financial independence. So obviously we, um, we probably uh, had a little bit of influence on them during that time and still today. And so we convinced them essentially, or really pushed them towards trying to, you know, if they're going to relocate here or buy property here, that they did it in such a way where if they were not going to be here full time, that it would be easy to, to rent out when they're not here and that kind of thing. Um, and so I'm, I, I do actually keep busy, quite busy, like managing those properties. Um, there's stuff that, you know, comes up constantly. It's sort of like a mixture of handyman meets customer service meets some, um, you know, organizing, uh, and, and trying to keep the places full when we can. So, um, yeah. So you would probably say that you, at this stage, you and your wife are full-time parents and outside of that, you will do, uh, manage your own property portfolio, community work, um, float around, help family. Uh, there's no, uh, direct employment as an employee in either life. No, sorry to, um, uh, mislead you like that. I'm so yeah. I would agree with everything you said until the employment part because we are we are certainly both still employed. Uh, we haven't reached financial independence um, to that degree. So uh, so my wife still has the same job she had when we when we found fire, and she still continues to thrive there. And it's a family family run business. Um, her mom started 25 some odd years ago. Her her sister now runs, and and she uh, you know she's a major part of that company, and it's been fun to watch that growth. And she gets a lot of fulfillment and uh you know and it's an amazing thing that she does she's she's placing people at at, at places that that want to hire uh good people you know she's finding she's finding those fits and so um she gets a lot of fulfillment out of that and then for me um i'm still you know sort of promoting and and i'm um, i'm promoting this whole fire movement the fi idea uh getting my project out there and you know seeing seeing what we can do with it so you know i've i'm currently currently got a a website redesign going on. We're, we're currently shopping the, the film around the streamers. Um, there was a new documentary that came out on Netflix recently. I think it's called Get Smart With Your Money or Get Smart With Money, something like that, um, where uh, Mr. Money Mustache, our friend Pete and uh, our friend Paula Pant and uh, a few other people are, are, are in. And so, um, so yeah, like I think there's a, 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 once again, a revival of interest in, in the finance uh, side with everything that's going on right now in the world. And, um, and hopefully we can, you know, kind of be a part of that, that solution. So, yeah. So we're both, we're both gainfully employed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just wanted to, I guess, practically people understand that, you know, while you are pursuing this fire thing and living intentionally in your community, um, from what I'm hearing and particularly for your wife, I know, you know, you can't really speak on behalf of her, but looking, she gets value out of her work and you obviously get value out of what you're doing. So it doesn't feel like you're stuck in the rat race, right? Correct. hundred percent. And that for that, we feel incredibly grateful. Yes. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to dig into a little bit more around this fire thing and the minimalism thing. So we'll be back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So, Scott, before you dug into fire and you found fire, what was your nine to five? What was life like? How old were you? Um, you mentioned five to six years ago that you've been designing. Uh, give us a bit of a, a heads up of your headspace, your view of the world, all that stuff sure. before tripping over this fire idea. Yeah, I, I was in my early 30s. Um, my wife's a couple years younger than me. At that point, we've been, you know, we both actually started working when we were in our teens, like probably 13, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that range. Um, I started off, you know, I was actually living in Puerto Rico, spearfishing for spiny lobster <laughs> for our neighbors who were having people come down to visit them on the military base. And, uh, and that's how I got kind of got started that and cutting lawn, I think ended up working at a, a, my uncle's pizza parlor in high school and a bunch of other odd jobs. Um, my wife was, uh, working at the local, I think golf course. Uh, I know she helped out with the family business growing up, all that kind of stuff. So we, we've been on that, on that, I guess, hamster wheel for a long, long, long time up to that point. But by our early thirties, you know, we, we had sort of quote unquote serious careers, um, Taylor was in the, in the mix of, of really pounding the pavement, grinding, constantly networking out all the time, hitting these different events, you know, working during the day, hitting events at night, burning the midnight oil, trying to build the business. Um, I was running a video production company with a couple of partners and an amazing group of guys, um, down in San Diego, we were doing brand videos and television production and all kinds of fun stuff. But, you know, that work, I love it, it and I did love it. Um, but it is pretty grinding physically. You know, it's a lot of travel. Uh, I would say 95% of our, our work was out of town. So we're constantly on airplanes. We're lugging a ton of uh, equipment around, you know, nine cases, you know, Pelican cases full of 50, 60, 80, 100 pounds of equipment. Um, and then, you know, that's just getting it through the airport, let alone, you know, getting it out to set and setting it up and all that stuff. And then, mm. you know, a lot of, a lot of long days, our, our days are 12 hour days typically. Um, so, you know, it was a lot. And again, you know, we were willing to work hard and that was a good time in our life to work that hard, uh, physically. But, you know, there was other things that I think started to sort of take a toll. I, I think that was part of it. And then I think also we were living in a big city where there's a ton of growing and growing issue of traffic, um, consistently over and over, you know, it just never got better. It was consistently getting worse. Um, and that in and of itself, I think brings its own stress, you know, spending 45 minutes in a car, basically defensively driving through trying not to die. Um, it can kind of wear on you after a while. And, and then on top of that, you know, you're trying to keep up a social life and, uh, you know, maybe spend a little time for yourself. <laughs> it was, it was a lot. It was a lot for sure. And I started to feel a little bit of that weighing on me a few years before I found fire. And I couldn't quite put my finger on what was wrong. I didn't know how to diagnose this issue, but I can, you know, looking back, I can see that we were essentially living paycheck to paycheck while, while burning that midnight oil and working that grind. And there was just really not a lot to show for it on the other end, other than a couple of trips and, you know, a whole bunch of ridiculous dinners uh, that we didn't need to go out to eat at. And also, you know, a couple of leased cars in, in, the, in the front of the rental house and, you know, where we were renting. And, um, you know, that was about it. That's all we had to show for. It. And it just didn't feel like we were really getting ahead. And I think that was a big part of it. And then, you know, that equation just, it didn't feel like, you know, that's the result of all of that wasn't really adding up, you know, that, that equation didn't seem to work out for me. And I just couldn't, like I said, I couldn't qu quite diagnose it, couldn't figure out what, what the problem was specifically. And I remember Taylor being like, you know, what, what is wrong with you basically? You know, like, why can't you be happy here living in this little beach community, um, in this amazing city. And by the way, San Diego is an amazing city. Uh, one of America's finest cities. I think it's incredible, you know, no knocking that city at all. And we lived in this little, uh, Island community called Coronado, where, you know, we originally ended up there because my dad was in the Navy and there's a bunch of Navy bases there. And that, you know, I, I knew that place growing up. I was born in San Diego. I lived there a bunch of different times. We had a bunch of family that family and friends that lived there. And, um, and so there, you know, on paper, I guess there was really no reason for me to not be happy. Um, but I wasn't, and I couldn't figure it out. And then for me, you know, my first solution was, well, maybe I just need to make more money. Maybe that would fix the problem. So 
even though I have this full-time job and I'm working my tail off and I'm doing okay, somehow I thought maybe that would solve things. That's crazy looking back, but I, I didn't know what else to do. So now I'm on listening to podcasts and just trying to figure out like, what's the next thing? What can I do nights and weekends? You know, um, I'm pretty resourceful. I'm, I'm not half bad on the computer. I can figure these things out. What should I do? You know, started l- learning about, um, you know, I remember listening to like the Shopify podcast, trying to figure out like FSB, like fulfillment or FBA fulfillment by Amazon business models. And, you know, just looking through all these different options. I, I read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Um, and speaking of Tim Ferriss, I listened to his podcast a ton and, uh, and still recommend it to anyone. I mean, he's one of the best out there, I think. And, and that portfolio of, of interviews just is unbelievable, unmatched in a lot of ways. And, that was definitely like on daily rotation and to be honest. And then right around that time we had our, our first child, first and only child. And, um, you know, that kind of changes things too. All of a sudden the perspective of all that grinding and all that stuff, you know, like that, that just takes such a backseat to what you're doing right in front of you there with a, with a newborn. And that really affected Taylor for a while. She was, you know, she had, she went in full mom mode like, no one's going to make me go back to work when I'm not ready kind of thing. And, um, and so all of a sudden things just got really real. And, uh, and so I was literally walking Jovi in the little Bjorn cause that was the only way she could go to bed, uh, to actually get some sleep. She was a restless little one. And I would walk for a long, like literally for hours, just walk the streets at night. And, um, what else, you know, what else are you going to do besides listen to podcasts while you're doing that or audio books or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> oh man. So one day, um, I was listening to Tim Ferriss and this guy, Mr. Money Mustache comes on and, um, yeah. And, and that's kind of where everything changed. Yeah. Wow. I was talking with a, a friend this morning over coffee actually, and he's recently had a baby and I haven't got kids yet. So I haven't had this experience and he's at a bit of a career crisis and, you know, between jobs and starting something new and everyone's like, well, what are you going to do? And he goes, well, my goal in life was to always have a family. And he said, I'm really working at that now. And if I just have to go to work and go home and provide for them and can spend time with them, like I'm successful. And it was just so refreshing to hear that if that is a value and you don't hate working, well, you don't have to create an empire. You don't have to go to the multi-level marketing conference and, you know, make a million dollars overnight. You know what I mean? Like it's just once you get to that values thing and for me, my own like quote unquote child moment kind of like yours was I I really didn't like the idea of being like, I'll put it this way, in my book, I've actually got this term that I used as an antidote to fire and I called it loot life on own terms. Because a lot of the time for me, it was like, I just want my life on my own terms. And I was looking at all these people, you know, saving up, working hard at the job they hated. So later they can fire in five or 10 years. We're like, well, no, no, no. What about we just do that now? Because you say once you achieve fire, then you will do your passion. Then you will go after your values. No, no, no. Let's move that needle now because it's not about the money. And that into a kind of weird segue, you know, the documentary, your documentary playing with fire touched on it. I think pursue minimalism and purpose. Don't pursue money to invest (laughs) and then work out your purpose later. You know what I mean? So talk to us about the minimalism thing and how that plays a part in your life at the moment. I like the, I like the, the loot acronym. And I mean, I, I believe People should be living life on their own terms as much as possible. And I don't, I, you know, I will I'll push back slightly and just say, you know, I think the best fire writers or people writing about financial independence would never prescribe a specific way to go about something. Um, I think that is part of the, the beauty of, of the financial independence. Like it, it is just math and how you choose mm. to apply that math to your life is up to you. Um, so I think you're kind of saying the same thing. I, I don't, it, you know, it's not like a retort yeah. or anything, but it's a clarification, if anything, because I do think that mm-hmm. message gets muddled from time to time. And especially through that whole retire early tricky part of the acronym that we were talking about, right? Where you, you know, if the pursuit is simply to retire early, then that is the focus. And then that becomes the goal. And then that can be problematic, 
especially if you don't like your job or especially if there's pieces of your life that you don't mm-hmm. like. Cause now all of a sudden you're living a life of deprivation or you're not living the life that you want to live to its fullest potential. Um, and for what, for the sake of what to then, you know, be able to quit and never have to work again and never make another dollar again. I don't necessarily know that's healthy either. That might be the other side of, you know, the coin, if anything, right. Um, you're working in the pursuit of nothing versus working in the pursuit of something that's, that's, you know, maybe almost too dangerous, um, and, and gets you into even more trouble or equal parts trouble, maybe just with a different lens on it. So, um, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And I think ultimately, um, you know, personal finance is personal. And for me, just like this conversation, you know, the work that you do, the work that I found when I, when I discovered fire, the work that I've done since discovering that it was all, I, I, I think it's all an amalgamation of just trying to make sense of what's the right way to do something. Um, and when it comes to financial, uh, moves, that is incredibly scary because there's so much out there and, you know, who do you trust? Which direction do you go? Um, you know, oh, well you should get, you know, air, buy a bunch of Airbnbs or buy a bunch of multi-unit, uh, complexes and then rent them out. And why aren't you doing that? You should house hack. Well, there, there are people out there like, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about, you know, running a house or, or if something goes wrong or whatever, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. Okay. Um, you know, Hey, you got to, you got to, you know, invest in, in Vanguard's VTSX, definitely go with index funds. Like, and, and here's why, and also, and, you know, people get nervous about that. And then you see people saying, oh my gosh, I made this much money on crypto or, oh my gosh, I'm day trading and it's going well because everything goes up. And then if, if it goes down, I just sell right then. And then I wait for things to go. And it's like, holy smokes. Um, so for me, like from a, from a money side, from a math side, when I found the sort of, let's just call it the fire equation, um, and I read what it was for me was I read the the book, The Simple Path to Wealth by JL Collins. And that book in and of itself just continues to ring true. We've already gone through so much since I found the fire movement. I mean, we when the pandemic hit and the market dropped, and it was like one of the scariest moments, you know, of my investment career, because I actually had something to lose at that point versus previously. Like we had lived through the Great Recession, but um, we didn't really have a lot to lose. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily scary per se for us, um, like, like it would have been had that, that sort of COVID, you know, drop, um, persisted. And I think even today it still feels quite volatile, even though things have gone insanely up and, you know, it's just like at the same time, like all of a sudden crypto is having a moment and it was getting really heated and crazy. And am I missing out? Like, should I get into that? And when I look back at all the tenants of what I read in the simple path to wealth, it, it is so simple. And it has held true through mm-hmm. all of that volatility. And there's a part of me that almost questions the validity because of its simplicity. And I've had to go back and read that book. I've had to go back and call JL and say, hey, man, <laughs> am I, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. And he always shakes his head and just goes, listen, I wrote everything down in the book. You just have to go back and read the book. I'm telling you, this is the way it goes. He's been through it all. And it's, and it's, it's held true this whole time. And so I, what I, the point I'm getting to is, you know, that money side of things, when I found the fire movement and I found that simple, that very simple path to wealth that set me on that track where as long as I continue to believe in that, and of course I'm going to keep my eye out. Of course, I'm going to continue to understand what's happening because it does get more complex as you, as you grow. Um, and that's okay. But how do you get started? Well, that's how I got started. That's how we got started. And, um, and I believe in it still to this day so much. That's why I continue to, you know, promote the project that I, that I created because I really, truly believe in it. I believe that is the way forward for the majority of people on earth is you don't, I, I don't, if, if, if you want to spend all your days day trading and figuring all that out, you go right ahead. If that brings you joy, I believe in you to do that as well. Um, Hmm. But I believe also that the vast majority of people do not, you know, wake up in the morning thinking about trading, day trading. I don't believe that. And, um, Hmm. and so for those who would like to spend more time, let's say, uh, you know, like we were talking about investing in your community, investing in that, that human connection, um, getting outdoors, like maybe raising some kids, having a family, whatever it is, um, whatever it is, you know, if you can pursue that without the fear and stress of, uh, and the burden of, of that, that brings with money, then 
then I think we're all better off. That's what I was saying earlier. So, yeah. Yeah, that's so, there was so much there and I was writing notes frantically. Just a sidebar for our listeners, um, we run another podcast called My Millennial Money Medical and we've got a host, he's anonymous, his name's Dev Raga, he's a doctor in Melbourne who loves personal finance and he talks about personal finance for other medical professionals, but it's actually for everyone. He's just more technical and um, concise than I am. But the JL Collins that uh, Scott was just talking about, recently Dev has interviewed JL on that podcast. So if you want to jump across and have a listen, uh, you can take a listen to that. But just on these uh, five figures, who do you think really is the, the godfather or godmother of you know personal finance in the States, like, would you say Vicky Robbins type vibe or, you know, the JL, Mr. Money Mustache? Was there someone, like, you You have mentioned JL as, you know, a, a pinnacle thing in your life, Mr. Money Mustache. Was there anyone else that's had an influence on you personally? Yeah, I mean, um, everyone that's in the film had an influence on me personally. Um, everyone that I wrote about in the book or, or featured in the film and so many uh, countless others from meeting people at FinCon, like, you know, it's, and you've been there, you understand, like mm. it, it's not one yeah. single person. I mean, um, and I, I, I've personally derived bits from all of them and I could probably recite half of them here. I mean, um, I've had so many experiences and, and yeah, I think that's the beauty of it is having seen it grown. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to make a film is obviously I was in video production and I enjoyed that work and I thought that could be. And I will say, Scott, for everyone listening, Scott's an Emmy um, nominee for his work in film. Yeah. So that's how serious he takes <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, <laughs> I, I really enjoy that work and I, I wanted to, I was looking at this and seeing how it was going to change my life and I wanted to find a way to contribute. Um, and so that was the impetus for the documentary. It wasn't to... I wasn't even planning on really featuring our story right away. That was a long confluence of how things turned out. Um, and my, my original uh, plan was really going more like David Attenborough, like narrate what I found here for the audience and feature the people uh, in the fire movement. And so, you know, the, the point I'm making is that the, that contribution, I wanted to make that because I could see the potential it was going to create in my life. And I knew that it would, you know, obviously impact others, hopefully positively if we did it right. And, and, you know, the reason why I felt so audacious to do that is because there wasn't a lot out there. It was a few blogs, a few podcasts. I don't think there was, I don't think there was a single book written specifically about fire or financial independence, you know, sp spoken that way, other than maybe your money or your life, the godmother, let's say of financial independence, Vicki mm -hmm. Robin. Um, and, you know, and that book at that time was really dated. They were talking about uh, their, you know, investment strategy it was centered around like bonds. I think it was Canadian bonds. So at the time, I mean, they've, <laughs> they've revised that book since then. And, um, you know, and I highly recommend it. It's wonderful. It's this idea of, you know, putting a money value to your time, I believe is, is how you say it. But yeah, yeah. It, I mean, that was an awakening for a lot of people. And uh, I have so much reverence for Vicky and I've spent, you know, so many hours with her and it's like every single second is is an absolute dream. Um, and that same goes for almost everyone that I've met on this project, you know, I mean, that it's just, it's always so impactful. Um, and it's just an amazing, amazing community. So, so that's, that was the idea of like bringing on the documentaries, like, can I assist in, in promoting these people and this work? Um, how can I do that? And that was, that was the way we tried to do it. Um, so yeah, I can't really answer that there's like a specific, you know, favorite person or a godfather or godmother. I mean, I know JL is widely considered maybe the godfather and J Vicky's probably widely considered the godmother, but what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's fascinating, you know, like I, I, I've got to the point with like me doing this podcast, like in Australia that, you know, I, it gets to the point where Glenn James, I can't actually help you, but I can facilitate a discussion. Like, and if you're holding me up high as your guru, you're in a lot of bloody trouble because <laughs> I, I've got issues just like everyone else, right? But I can facilitate a conversation that people can listen to like this and hear one liner and think, oh, I can optimize that for my own life. And I like, I'm in the States at the moment, went to FinCon a couple of weeks ago and it was just so crazy, right? Like just in terms of you get results with what you focus on, right? In any area of your life. 
when I went to FinCon first in 2018, I went to a session and there was a dude there saying, um, I went to his session. He goes, yeah, we do $60,000 a month online from a blog, right? And I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, I just, I should give up now because there is no way I can achieve that. Fast forward, if I can't make 60 grand a month, I've got to give up because that's like, you know, that's the, the size of the operation I've made. But to my point, you know, I just spoke at FinCon and did a session about making money in podcasting, but I went to another session with somebody who may not have been as successful as me. And it was the most valuable session that I attended. And I wrote the most notes because it challenged me to keep thinking and optimizing and doing better. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about hearing the stuff that Scott says and like, oh yeah, that that's that's right. My family is valuable to me or yeah, I'm sick of this bloody thing. I need to, so we're just providing the platform, right? For people to engage with. Yeah, a hundred percent. And by the way, uh, congratulations, Glenn. And I'd like to talk to you offline um, about this whole $60,000 a month thing. <laughs> but yeah, FinCon yeah. Uh, 2018, was that Dallas? Yeah, that was my first one. All right, one. me too. You and I shared the, oh, the awesome. first FinCon together. There you go. Yeah. 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 We, we, uh, we filmed there. That was like, that was very exciting time for, for the yeah, project. Right. Yeah. Um, did you see us out there at all? Yeah. I, I think I did see you guys filming um, stuff and I knew that it was happening while we, while we were there, uh, but I was like new to the scene. And the cool thing is like now I go to FinCon, I can't walk down to the main auditorium without bumping into cool people that I know and like, oh, you're like this. And, you know, I've had Paula Pan on the podcast. I've, you know, I've had some big names on the podcast, but I just, you know, I'm connected and just networking and I hate the word networking, but just connecting, right, with like-minded people. Yeah. Yeah, FinCon such and a trip. It's been immensely valuable to me. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that's that's it's, another um, piece I think that um, is worth mentioning is when we found all of this. I think one of the big reasons why it was I don't want to say easy, but why we stuck with it and we're so um, we were so overzealous about it for so long was was the community, was the people that we met, watching their excitement for this mm. and 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 what it could mean for their lives, not just from their own financial life, but also, you know, their social life, like how they were contributing, how they were working, what they were working on. Like it was all very exciting. I mean, one minute I'm talking about doing a documentary, the next minute we're flying to Ecuador for a financial independence retreat. And then being, you know, a couple of years later, we're being asked to, to present and be a host of that same retreat in Portugal. Um, I mean, that, that was an incredible experience and opportunity and it wouldn't have happened without just kind of buying in to some extent, um, pardon the pun. And like, mm. you know, going to FinCon, meeting people, um, you know, I don't know. I'm sort of a, I think they call them ambiverts where it's like I'm extroverted and introverted. And like, so the idea of going to FinCon for me is is actually a full-blown nightmare, like the idea of it. But then when I get there, I'm I'm, I've, I'm so full, filled up from it. You know, it's just, it's amazing. I love meeting people I've, I've, I've had, Countless encounters, created countless friendships um, through FinCon, just walking the halls, accidentally bumping into people in elevators, like that kind of thing. It's, it's truly yeah. incredible. I will also say at the end of the night, I feel yeah. like I need about 10, 10 nights sleep in a row um, just to recover, <laughs> but it's so worth it. Yeah, I just think like, and I, I'm talking about this on purpose for everyone to realize that if you're just engaged with what you're passionate about and going in with an open mind, I honestly believe we can learn stuff from everyone. And, you know, what can you take away from Scott's story that we've shared so far and implement? Because, you know, after FinCon, I I flew up my team this year and it, you know, it cost us over $40,000 to take the four of us up to FinCon. And after FinCon, we went to Nashville and we did a debrief and we made a Google sheet and everyone put their ideas there and we made this thing like uh, whose idea was it? What was the idea? Who's probably should own the idea? There was a, a question, a column like, is it sustainable? Like, because if it's not sustainable, we're not implementing it right now. We'll put it on the back burner to think about. And then we just had like a traffic light system and we're going to, you know, there's like 30 things that we're going to implement. 
can you do a traffic light system for your own life? Can you go, I've got this idea. I want to implement, you know, this or that and work on it until it's done. And we're just going to look at this spreadsheet every Monday after our team meeting and implement things. Like it's, that's all we're doing. And I would encourage anyone to implement stuff into their own life. Yeah. Even the one, because I've just found in my professional life, implementing as many one percenters as possible, you fast forward four or five years and you have moved the needle humongously. I love that. I love that. And and I think, you know, you know, we've talked a little, a little bit about sort of the, the math behind all this. Um, and we've talked sort of in platitudes about community and, you know, happiness and pursuits of, you know, of purpose and things like that. But there's like, you're saying, there's all these little things that you can do. And I think if I had to, you know, if I had to name the, the, the things that I've gotten the most out of through this process, I would say it's those little one percenter things. It's, it's having a, a monthly budget party instead of constantly worrying about uh, what we bought or, or having to deal with a budget or something like that. We now, we now kind of get excited to be honest uh, to go through our budget because we've done it so many times now it's, it's no longer a fight. It used to be contentious oh, you spent money on this. Oh, but yeah, but you spent money on this. I mean, it would literally be tit for tat like children. And, and now we can speak to it with so much more maturity and knowing that we're both on the same team and understanding each other's wants and needs, you know, like um, that we're not judgmental as much as we used to be about those things. And those little things, that's a small thing. Implement a budget party once a month, order a pizza, have a movie on the other end, get through it, you know? Um, all of a sudden we're not getting through it. We're excited to plan it. And, um, I learned that from, who was that? I think it was marriage, kids and money. I think it was the first time I ever heard that Andy and, and like, yeah. Um, Andy Hill Hill. and, and he, gosh, he's awesome. I I love Andy. And, and, you know, like I was reading a book prior to finding fire. It was called, I think it was called the happiness advantage. And there was in there was right, right at top 10 list of, uh, things that make you happy on a daily basis. And I had already done that. And then when I found fire, it like dawned on me, we should do this together. I hadn't even done that with my partner. And not only that, but I started thinking about it from sort of a more of a money standpoint. And I thought, this is a small tweak, but let's do it on a weekly basis because daily is too in the weeds. And I think anything monthly or mm-hmm. out is a little bit too ethereal. It's too high, high level. But I kind of live my life on a weekly basis. Like what's coming up this week? What do you got going on this week? You know? And so we just did happiness lists together on a weekly basis. And that was actually mm-hmm. the exercise that was the catalyst for, for Taylor and I being on the same page about pursuing this entire journey it was based off of a top 10 mm-hmm. list. So to your point, little 1% uh, increments of change can, can make massive, you know, they compound. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it, isn't it? Hey, we've got like, I always say to people, we've got two eyes for a reason, right? One eye on today, one eye on the future. Because I'm like you. I vibe it out each week. I And I shouldn't have asked you what you do each day because I hate when people ask me what my, what my day looks like <laughs> because it's actually whatever I feel like it at the time. And I've designed my life around that. I've worked hard and, you know, all the chickens coming home to roost now and I've got that options and freedom. But Within that, I'm still going, what can the Glen of today do for the Glen of tomorrow? So we, we do have to have that, you know, one eye on today, one eye on the future. And that's probably just more of a comment for my listeners from Uncle Glen over here. But I want to bounce something off you. I, we've got these things called the My Money Journal that we, we sold in limited release and we're about to re-release them and we're updating it. And I'm putting these um, plot graphs in and you're the first person that I've shared with. So let me know if you think this sucks or not. So, just pretend like, see, I've got my scribble here, like line paper vertically. If there was 30 lines or 31 lines, so one day each month, at the bottom's the days, each line is a day. On the left-hand axis, the up and down vertical axis, I forget which is X and Y, I was never good at maths. Neither. Um, it's, <laughs> it's got, you know, one at the bottom, five at the middle and 10 at the top. So, it's a rating out of 10. Now, in the journal, I say, I want you to pick something, whether it's your mood, your quality time that you've spent with kids, whether it's your gratitude, anything that you want to just track. 
And each day, we'll just go mood or something like that. Rate our mood out of 10 and just do a plot. And in the journal, I've, I've skipped out the number seven because we're not sitting on the fence because how many times would people just go, oh, seven out of 10? So, you know, you've got to really be critical. I like that. And then each day, write why you gave it that number. So then at the end of the month, you can kind of join the dots and see a diagram and then go back to your list and just have a bit of a look. It's like, oh, hang on. All the days that I felt good, it's because I went to bed the night before early. I wasn't binging Netflix till 1am and then. So just as a way to step back and plot and track our life to look at the broad strokes and then next month, let's not do those things that cause the bad mood. I love that. The only thing I would add to that would be, or, you know, because if this isn't fully published yet, maybe this could be a piece of it is like. Yeah, I'll, I'll tweak it. it yeah, yeah. I've, I've journaled before and I've gone through pieces like that. First of all, I really like that plot. I, I like that, um, the plot graph. And I love the idea of you can kind of see it visually while also then checking in on when it dipped, why did it dip? When it went, when it spiked, why did it spike? I like that a lot. So that I think keep it in from my, from my perspective. But one thing with journaling is um, I, I kept it up for like two months and I got t- towards the end of two months and I felt like I was starting to repeat myself. And I ended up, I ended up kind of like losing the habit because I had, I felt as if I had almost like gotten the, I'd gotten what I'd came for to some extent. Right. So I yeah, guess yeah. It, what I'm asking on the, on the tweak is like, maybe uh, like suggest to your audience that they only do that for a month and then use that information yeah. to improve and then maybe come back to it in X amount of months, something in that realm. So that it doesn't feel so daunting. Yeah, yeah, you won't just, start in the first place, but then also that you don't yeah, do it totally. so long that it becomes repetitive so that it continues to be useful. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, all right. Well, let's start the episode now. It's going to be a 10 minute episode. Uh, what, <laughs> one thing I want to talk about, like if someone's like, I'm interested in financial independence and retiring early, and I've heard things that you've got to live like a tight ass cheapskate, like in the, in the documentary, you know, that lady or the husband or whatever, and they sold their car and they'll drive it around in a piece of crap. <laughs> was that, and this is, it's a serious question. Was that to live frugal or was it to press reset and starting from scratch because you've been a capitalist pig, you've got loans you can't afford, You've got a press reset. You're poor. You don't have money. Live like your wage. I'm not. I'm trying not to laugh over over you right now and interrupt you. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, whatever. It's amazing. Uh, and and you're spot on actually with with B. One hundred percent. It was the reset. Uh, hmm. If you feel if you start to uh, pursue a life of fi or fire and you feel tons of deprivation, then I would like to be the first to tell you that you're doing it wrong. Um, that mm. is not the point. Um, and I, and what I wanted to do, cause I, I was so fortunate. I am so fortunate. And so many have found this great fortune of finding someone like Mr. Money Mustache or Mad Scientist or Jail Collins or Vicky Robin or Paula Pant or go on and on and on where this has all been explored, uh, this has all been documented, and it's all been pursued and achieved. And they can look back and give you an incredible perspective on what works, what doesn't, why would you do this, why would you do that for them. And then you can take those bits and pieces and you can apply them to your own life. And so for us, yes, we were these capitalistic pigs that were thoughtlessly roaming through our life with little intention. And you probably wouldn't have liked us back then. Maybe you would have, but if you really got into it and we got deep, we would have all fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> you filthy pigs. I, I exactly. Oh, and, and so honestly though, it was just a matter of a lack of thoughtfulness and intention in our, in our money decisions. Mm. And like, if we really boil it down and probably a little bit of like spoiled brat syndrome too, and, and so what, what I was hoping we could do and what I think we did successfully together is we wanted to push the envelope and really go to our extreme to know what that is. And two things happened there. One, we look, we got to a 78% savings rate 
and we were absolutely miserable. And I wouldn't recommend it on anyone. I wouldn't even recommend doing that. Maybe push to 60 or 70 if you feel, you know, if you feel like you can. But that's even crazy. I mean, we went crazy. I could never do that. Oh, it's terrible. And don't do it. Don't do it, Glenn. Um, No, I I can tell you I won't. I'm (laughs) a spender and I don't care. Happy you won't. (laughs) But I'm glad we did because it showed us where our limit was and what we were willing to do there. And then and then it made it, but it also made it easier to come back to a place we probably would have never even gotten to without going that far. So all of a sudden we were living com- comfortably in the 50, 60% savings rate range. And we were able to keep that up for years. And that made huge impacts on our financial future. And then from there, we were able to t- let our foot off the gas even more because as we got further down the line, we realized how little retiring early actually mattered to us or meant to us versus mm-hmm. You know, and, and it doesn't even have to be versus, but in our case, in the beginning, it was versus feeling deprivation, not doing this thing mm-hmm. or that thing or going here or buying that. And, um, and so, you know, th- the trickiest part in our life now is, is, you know, if we find something that we think we need or whatever is just making sure we pass it through our filter, you know, which we have a couple different like little, you know, setups, which aren't hard and fast rules. I'm not saying like we literally have a list on the wall or anything. It's just sort of, we kind of know that a, we want to talk to our partner about it before it happens. And B, we want to wait a couple days if possible, um, before we make that decision. And, and if we, you know, and if there's a consensus amongst the partners, my wife and I, and, and three or four days later, we still feel like this is something we want or need. Okay, great. And then I like to, to make another calculation, which is, can I resell this thing if I decide that I was wrong? Like, is this actually an asset and how, how much is it going to depreciate and, um, or appreciate? Mm. And so, you know, like the Amazon stuff that can get kind of tricky and it can kind of get out of hand. And all of a sudden you've got boxes showing up to your house and half the stuff you don't even know why you need it or why you got it in the first place, or maybe you do, but then you get it and you realize, oh, I don't really need this, but oh my gosh, it's almost a pain in the ass to return it. Or you don't realize you don't need it until 30 days after and you can't return it. It's like, and no one's going to buy this on Facebook marketplace or Craigslist or whatever we try to avoid that kind of stuff as much as possible. And then the sort of bigger purchase stuff, you know, it's, are are we going to use this? Is this going to bring value to our lives? Can we resell it? You know, all those things. And, you know, at the end of the day, like that's kind of our biggest, biggest financial decisions these days, because we've already got our investment strategy pretty locked in and it's pretty set it and forget it at this point. Um, And, and yeah, like we wouldn't have been able to do all that stuff without pushing ourselves to the absolute brink and coming back to the other side and knowing we have that capability that is within our realm, we have that strength in us if we need it again. So all of a sudden you've got this muscle mm-hmm. you can flex, right? And that's a superpower in and of itself because now we have that confidence to go, all right, we can we can live like this now, but we can also live like that later if we need to. I, I, I think we've like, and for me personally, I'm just being really like uh, encouraged here and you know getting to the crux of like this whole financial independence thing at some point you may need to pull the trigger and press reset on your life much like you know all of you out there you might see that chick and it's like oh she's cut her hair dramatically something must have happened in her life or like for me when I first shaved my head it was 8 30 p.m at night late night shopping barber I was having a nervous breakdown I'm like something's got to change I was gonna so I went and shaved my head and shocked everyone and everyone's like why'd you shave your head I'm like well I'm going bald but realistically I snapped and needed to something to change so you know what is your head shave moment like and I want, I'll get on the podcast for everyone, but, and I will finish up because we, we need to go, but um, there's a podcast listener in Adelaide. Her name's Harriet. She wrote in once and she said, I want to really dial down on my investing or buying my first home or whatever it was. It's actually irrelevant. And she said, I've got a car worth $25,000 or something like that. Everyone thinks I'm crazy if I sell my car, buy a cheaper car and, and put the rest in my house for my goal, right? And we encourage her to go for it because guess what? You can always buy another bloody car. <laughs> like if it doesn't work out, there's cars everywhere. Just go and buy one. Like if you sell your car, pay off the debt, buy a $2,000 beater for four months and it doesn't work out, well, go buy another car, whatever. 
for something to change, something has to change. I love that. It reminds me of, we we were speaking earlier about the Chautauqua in Ecuador, which is that FI retreat. And Paula Pant was speaking there. That was the first time I met her. And I remember her in, listen, we're, we're sitting in a room full of people who are about to hit the button to make the change to become financially independent, literally quit their jobs, live off of what they've saved. And they were nervous to do so. And they wanted to come to this retreat to, to, to meet with like-minded people and the people that they'd been learning how to do this through um, to make sure, to check their math, to, to feel good about it. And Paula got up and I, I'll, I'll never forget her parting words of her presentation, which was like, what's the worst case scenario? you go back to work. Like, it's very much like that. Sell the damn car. What's the worst thing that happened? You just buy that same car later. Um, Yeah, these these huge, these seemingly huge decisions can actually be quite small and not that consequential at the the end Mm. of the day, but but you can't change without changing. Um, Sometimes what you need is that big big change moment. And don't don't be afraid to do it multiple times. We took this big leap of faith five years ago and we you know, uprooted our life and moved to a different place and uh, went through this whole project. And I mean, it was, it was a lot. It was too much. We, I brought myself to the brink on many levels and, you know, I had to like really step back for a while, take a break um, to kind of regain my center and, and be, feel normal again, feel like myself again. And that doesn't mean that we won't do that again. That doesn't mean that we can't do that again. It doesn't mean that we don't have, you know, we haven't changed since then. And, and I, I encourage everyone to, to just relax a little bit and feel like that's okay. Just listen to uncle Glenn. I mean, the guy shaved his head. Now he looks amazing. What's the worst that happens? Like he just regrows his hair out. (laughs) Well, it might be a bit dodgy or uncle Glenn might need to go on a little quote unquote holiday to Thailand, if you know what I mean, and come back with a full head of hair. (laughs) But uh, Please, please uh, tell me where where you go and how to do that. You and I are the same boat, bud. I'll, um, I want to finish on two quick things. I'll tell you a little thing that I I was a financial advisor for 13 years and used to get, you know, a heap of pre-retirees in and all my listeners will know this, where this is going, but uh, I I just love it and reminding myself and any new listeners, you're hearing this for the first time, but I used to get people into the office and got the whiteboard out standing up and it's like, I've worked out the exact amount of money you need for retirement, or if you're not at retirement, the exact amount of money that you need to save. I've worked it out to the absolute dollar. Works for everyone. Do you know that amount, Scott? I don't. As much as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's the perfect answer. You got it. That's it. You win. Mic drop. Yep. That's it. So what's your message, Scott? What do you want to... What do you want to end with? It's your show. I want everyone to know that Uncle Glenn's microphone is the most badass microphone in the podcasting game. It has it's on brand. It isn't has it? elements of teal and blue. I've never seen anything like it. He holds it the whole time. It's not on some weak stand like I've got where I'm, you know, just sitting here not holding anything. This guy is the real deal. <laughs> Giddy up! I'll take it. <laughs> You can buy Scott's book via my affiliate link in the show notes, Playing With Fire. I might as well make 20 cents stuff here. Playing With Fire. It's a, it's a, it's a fire book. It's, you know what? If you're interested in fire, read Scott's book, read The Journey. He's got an audio book. He read it himself. Listen to The Journey. Be encouraged. You know, I can't help you. Scott can. <laughs> if you want to ro- watch his documentary on fire playing with fire you can do that i don't know where it is online in australia but we'll try and get it on netflix soon you should be able to find it What's on your podcast amazon? called if not um it's, it's on, always oh, yeah. on vimeo but amazon isn't oh is it on vimeo yeah we might do you have to pay for that yeah yep yep but i'm trying to get it on a streamer yeah. so it's nice and free for most people but um i'm still working on that yeah but again i you know i'm only saying that as in if you have to pay for it well Pay five, six bucks. Don't be a tight ass if you want to watch it. Um, Right? So, yeah, I'm all about supporting um, creators. Trust me, it's not going to some big conglomerate. We're trying to pay the team. No, that's right. Let's go into the Scott Rickens <laughs> Foundation. And what um, is your podcast? I didn't. Is it Playing with Fire by the same name? Your podcast? It is. Yeah. Uh, there's only four episodes, and it happened right before COVID hit, and uh, and then we we hung up the the mic for a while. So I need to dust that off again. But those four episodes are really interesting. I believe. Yeah, man, you got to get back out there. I think I do. This is inspiring yeah. me. I've I've really enjoyed this, Glenn. Well, we're just chatting. Yeah. I mean, 
That's all we're doing. And and I've resolved like uh, back to like I can't help anyone. Everyone says, "Oh, you helped me so much." I'm like, no, I didn't. You did the hard work. I just pointed you in the right direction. And when your parents or your family said, "I'm wild. Should I do this?" I'm saying, "Do it." <laughs> I love it. You're just paying it forward, man. You're lucky, so you're paying it forward. That's all, doing. That's all you're doing. You're not helping people. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll let you go. Thank you so much. And if you ever need to jump on a microphone and talk to the people down on the island, um, you've got my email now. Just email me and say, I've got this new thing I want to sell or whatever. We'll flog it to everyone. Everyone's chill here. Thanks, Glad. I appreciate it. I really like that island you're living on too, man. Um, I hope to get, yeah. get down there someday soon. Yeah, well, uh, let me know and I'll, I'll give you a grand tour. Yeah, next time you're in the States, bud, you got to hit me up. Well, actually, weirdly, I was looking because I'm in Columbus, Ohio at the moment. Uh, don't ask. And no, joking. I got friends here. <laughs> um, I, I come up here twice a year usually because, you know, it's four o'clock now in the afternoon, Sydney's 6 a.m. So I can get so much stuff done during the day without any interruptions. Oh, that's really nice. And, you know, hire a car. I've, stay, I've got lots of friends up here. I go to cafes, went to the same barber I went to in February, remembered me like people at cafes know me like I'm an irregular regular. Anyway, um, but I, I do want to visit. Um, next time I'm up here, I'll, I'll come up and we'll grab lunch or something. But um, For sure. And yeah, maybe a yeah. FinCon. Yeah, it's in uh, New Orleans next really? year. Really? Oh, that, mm. that's quite the draw. Orlando didn't quite do it for me. Yeah. I've been there a few times. It's yeah, it's a whole Orlando. But uh, New Orleans, that's a whole nother ball game. My goodness. All right. Totally. All right, Scott Rikens. Um, Rickens, sorry. I don't know why I say okay, it wrong all the Glenn. time. It's all right, bud. Don't worry mm. about it. Sweet. We'll get there. Um, well, I'll press stop now. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can buy the book in the in the show notes uh, and we'll press stop now. See you, Scott. Thanks, Glenn. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.